Everybody, welcome back to Goldbridge Saves Football. It's the Tuesday show, which means it's absolutely bumper packed. Uh, there is loads to talk about. The Premier League is back. We're going to bring in a Goldbridge. We've got Guess Who. We've got big topics about managers leaving Boo Who. And of course, we've got Pratt of the Week. And we've got topics of Pratt's doing stupid stuff. I mean, you know, I, I still don't really know what I think about Marcus Rashford. Uh, we're going to be talking about Klopp's departure, Arteta's potential departure, and why that actually could happen. Um, and the return of the Premier League. And I'm joined by Will. And I'm in a bad mood, Will. How are you? Yeah, I'm here to make your life better, easier, hopefully a bit more fulfilled. I was away down in Cornwall at the weekend, thought, you know, FA Cup's on. Uh, it'd be a bit of a quiet weekend. By Jove, it wasn't. Jurgen Klopp's leaving. Mikel Arteta might be off to Barcelona. And we've got an absolute doozy of a show. Well, it is great to have the Premier League back as well, and it's nice to have a bonus Tuesday goal bridge. We'll have that for you a little bit later as well. But yeah, I've got the Tuesday blues. Oh, just just driving to do a podcast with Ben Foster and uh, the, the bloody stupid sat-nav sends me a different route. And then a big four before and this country road sort of forces me off the road into a what I thought was a puddle. It was a big pothole, double puncture. Um, oh. And then my stomach's not doing well because I tried some sweet chili Pringles last night, which were very nice. But my stomach and air coming out of other orifices is suggesting that that wasn't a good choice. Yeah, well, I mean, I have told you as a man of your age, you have to be careful what you eat. Double up on the Actimels, um and also any other products, but you have got to be careful of your anus at your age. And on that bombshell, we'll move on to another bombshell. Uh, I should have said bombshell. That would have worked. But the reality is we're going to talk about football. That's what we're here to do. And I've got to say, um, we're going to talk about this. Uh, the return of the Premier League and the title race uh, is obviously uh, forefront of our minds. Some massive games this week. Arsenal playing Chelsea. No, Liverpool playing Chelsea. Arsenal away at Forest. Man City with some easy game that they'll win, you know, with blindfolded. Um, I can't remember who they're playing, but it'll be somebody crap. But um, also uh, the foreshadowing of Bright. Was it, I thought it was... Burnley. I think they've got Burnley midweek. Oh, but yeah, but, sorry. Yeah. Just naming shit but, teams. Yeah. Yeah. We, and you, you, lo- you normally defend them. But um, I've got to say, Will, we, 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 we pondered doing a bit of a reaction to the uh, Klopp news and decided that, no, we'll wait till Tuesday and let everyone else react to that. And, uh, you know, we'll take our time and have a few sleeps on it. Um, what are your thoughts? I've got to say, as a Manchester United fan, I'm absolutely gutted by the departure of, uh, of Jurgen Klopp, and, I, and, and I, I thought I'd be happy. I mean, Princess Diana, 1997, I was building Duplo with my dad. Jurgen Klopp leaving 2024, I was in the car going off to a wedding venue. You can remember where you are for those monumental occasions. Jurgen Klopp leaving for football, very, very sad. I think as a, a human being, also as a manager, as a coach, he's bought so much, but even as a neutral, you sort of get that. So it is a really sad day for football. But also, you know, after you sort of processed it, it also felt like quite a sensible decision because you can see just from the touchline and the interviews how much of his physical body he puts into everything. So I can imagine the toll it takes on him and, you know, probably just a real sensible, smart decision. And I'm I'm sure you'll come on to it as well as you did on that football, but one that can maybe boost and empower the rest of the season as well. 
Yeah, I'd love to get people's comments on this because as a podcast, we're a community and there's so many good comments that go in, but obviously people support different clubs, different divisions. What are your thoughts on this? Because uh, I can't actually believe that uh, as a fan of The Crown, not a royalist, I just liked the Netflix series, I can't believe that you're likening Klopp's res- uh, re- you know, retirement with, with the passing of um, the People's Princess. But, uh, you know, there we go. That's Will for you. He's probably an anti-royalist, but, uh, you know, we won't get into that. Um, but in relation to football, football talk, um, yeah, I think it was funny, actually. I was talking a lot about it over the weekend and somebody, I did a live on that football YouTube channel and I said, uh, the one thing I did really admire, Will, was that, and, and you know, you know me, I, I, I can come out with Pratt comments, but I can be quite profound at times and they both begin with a PR. <laughs> so, you know, you never know which way it's going to go. Um, but I said, very few managers, and I think we spoke about this before, maybe on a previous podcast, very few managers walk out the front door. Very few. Most of them are booted out the back. Wenger, Ancelotti was sacked at previous clubs. You know, great man, Mourinho, you, you, you tend to be sacked. And if you're going to walk out the front door, you've got to make a brave decision. And a brave decision is to go at the top of the mountain. And I think that's what surprised people about Klopp. He's, We've been waxing lyrical all season about the options in the midfield, the rebuild of the midfield. Looks like he's rebuilding another team. Sir Alex Ferguson built three or four or five teams and it looked like Klopp was building his second team. But he just is going to walk out. And I think, honestly, he's walking out because he's tired. You know, it's, it's actually draining. Yeah, and also it feels a bit, it was more shocking just because of the season that they're having so far. I mean, five points mm. at the top of the Premier League, uh, into the Carabao Cup final, still in the FA Cup, still in the Champions League. You know, they could be on for a no, quadruple at the end of the season. Not in the Champions League. Not in the Champions sorry, League. Sorry, yeah, sorry. It's been, it's been a tough week. I'm not having you know, that. I'm not having that. I, I will, I will. I'm still I, thinking I'm about Princess Diana. Yeah, yeah. I'll, yeah, get, I'll, I'll be jumping you on you, don't you worry. Any, any mistakes yeah, now. You jump on me you, anytime you, you like. You've uh, you've you've rattled me now, um, like that bloody hole in the road. Um, but look, I, I do think that walking out the front. I mean, I what I was going to say is that when I was talking about it, I said, um, you know, I run the biggest Manchester United fan community in the world. That's football's probably the biggest independent football general football channel. We've got a massive podcast. Uh, it's exhausting. It's rewarding, but it's exhausting. And I often think, at what point do you walk away from that? Do you die on the job? Do you fall off and become irrelevant? Or do you just walk away and go, that's it? And people are on the streets with banners saying, don't go. Don't stop the podcast. And, you know, somebody said, I can't believe he's likening himself to Klopp. I said, no, it's like a milkman that's really popular. Who has a milkman now? They fell off. But what I'm saying is anything that you pop, you know, you might be a popular bar person at your local pub. And then suddenly, where's, where's Dave gone? He's quit. He's, he's had enough. He was brilliant. He was at, he'd always make eye contact with you. He was very quick. He could, he could serve three people at the same time. Brilliant. He's gone. Oh, you know, and everyone's like, what? That's what I meant. It, it, it's, it's an amazingly brave thing to decide on your own terms, I'm going to go. And as much as I'm, I'm gutted by it, and I can explain why I'm gutted about it, I just think it's admirable, like you say, when you actually take a breath and go, I sort of get what he's doing. Wow, walking out of the yeah. top. I mean, I saw Sir Alex do it and it gives me goosebumps. You know, he could have carried on for a few more years. 
And I also think back to that sort of neutral standpoint where I am, it's for the Premier League, you want characters and he is definitely mm. that. And that also ties into it as well, because you, you're excited, not just from a tactical perspective, but you want to see him and some of his quotes for the good, the bad and the ugly that he's come out across the years, you know, have made headlines and have made talking points. But I think overall as well, he just seems like such a good guy. And I think for as much as his life is football, I think he has got so much of like to give outside of it as well. So I mean, it sounds like he's dead, but it's not a Princess Diana occasion this time. No, and I think some people don't really get this because a lot of United fans, Arsenal fans, City fans, whatever, are quite excited about him going because it's an opportunity, and it is because Liverpool won't be the same. And whoever comes in, we can talk about that. That there is an opportunity there, and Liverpool fans will know this. Uh, but some people will go, "Hello, Mark. As a United fan, why are you gutted that Klopp's going?" And my mate said this to me, he messaged me and he said, I'm gutted. And he hates Liverpool. He's a United fan and he hates Liverpool. And he said, I'm gutted because I wanted United to bounce back and beat Klopp. And I, and I got it. I thought, yeah, you want to beat the best. You don't want to beat the injured animal. This reminds me of a school disco when I was about nine. Um, it was a school disco and uh, there, was a, there was a girl who just started at the school about three months before and this was the opportunity and all the lads knew it and she'd sort of been smiling at everyone. Uh, we were all nine, by the way. There'll be people going, that's a bit noncy. We're, we're all nine, okay? It's not a school. I didn't go last week to a school disco with nine-year-olds in it. So um, we're, we're all nine years of age. We go to, we're going to this school disco. Everybody fancies this Laura. Anyway. Most of the lads come down with chicken pox, including Goldbridge. So we go to school about the following week and uh, she's hooked up with what I would describe as in a footballing terms, Everton. And I'm like, I'm like, that's fine. Everton's won the race and he's all smug. But I'm like, you've won a tournament where everyone else hasn't entered. It doesn't mean anything. And it sort of did because he did win. He did win. But... You know, I want to I want to fight the best. And that's why I'm sad that Klopp's going, because you're right, the personality, but also, you, you know, it will weaken the Premier League, in my sense, not having Klopp in it. And I, I always want to play the best, because if you beat Liverpool with Klopp, it means something. You beat him with Hodgson. Sorry, just on... Yeah. Just on the chicken pox thing as well, it, did, it just reminded me of the... It wasn't like the... Um, Tottenham lasagna gate when they were pushing for Champions League football and there was rumours that the lasagna had been spiked. There wasn't like a sort of super spreader chicken pox guy who was sort of day one giving it out and, you know, he knew what he was doing deep down. It's probably him. Two weeks before the disco, he was like, he probably had chicken pox and then he just went into school and was like, you know, kissing everyone after he'd scores like Neville and Skulls and, you know, it took, took out the competition basically. And I had some bad, I had a pair of brand new white trainers denim jeans and a denim shirt and I'd been practicing Rick Astley I'd, 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 she'd have been mesmerized and uh, instead I was at home in bed watching gladiators with Jet she wasn't in bed with me that would be Nancy she was on the telly I was telling Seb I, was telling, I don't know if anyone likes the gladiators but I was, I was do, you, do, you, do you remember gladiators the original one or are you too young yeah yeah Wolf I met Wolf yeah, yeah. Was telling, no, that is Nancy yeah, I said that to Seb last night. I said, uh, who's your favourite gladiator? And he was like, oh, you know, he couldn't make his mind up. And I said, mine was Jet. And he said, was it a man? I said, nope, it was a woman. He said, oh, but you're married <laughs> to mummy. And I said, yeah, but I was about, I was a kid. And I liked Jet. He said, was, was she strong or anything? I said, I don't know. That, that wasn't the attributes <laughs> I was going for, if I'm being honest. Uh, she was very athletic. Very quick. I think that's what they called yeah. a Jet. 
She's very good on the wall. Had a good grip. Yeah. Anyway, um, we digress. Uh, um, yeah, well, I'll be sad to see Klopp go. Um, and I, th- I suppose replacements, we could talk about that. But what I would say from a United point of view, when Sir Alex goes, the best thing I think they can do is get someone who's transitional that doesn't come in and will go, it's my way. A lot of managers want to come in, Will, and go, it's my way and break it all down. I think that team, as we've said all season, looks like it, it, Klopp was building another team. So you want to bring somebody in that's going to transition that and, 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 and take it and hit the ground running. But it, it, they will be weaker next season. But we've seen what Ange's done, though. And, you know, if you get the right man in, it, it can be inspiring. But they've got to, it's a big decision to follow Klopp. That's massive. Well, also, it just, I mean, if they come off the back of a quadruple, which I'm sure they won't, but, you know, it could happen. It's just about expectation, isn't it? If you're coming in as an Alonso, what the fans expect, where Big Ange came into Tottenham and a lot of people wrote him off straight away. So that sort of worked into his favour this season. And also, I think, obviously, a lot of people are talking about when Ferguson left and Moyes came in. But I think more now than ever, what's that, nearly 10, 11 years on since that appointment, you can there's a lot more clear styles of football and styles of play to attribute to different managers. So Liverpool know what they've got now. So I think it should be a, a lot easier. I'm not necessarily to say they're going to get the number one target, but to say that guy fits our style, let's get him in rather than sort of square egg round pole round. Ah, oh, forget it. Square egg round pole. I think you mean square peg round pole. <laughs> uh, but uh, I told you I'd jump on square everything egg, today. Square you don't upset the people's princess fan and uh, get away with it. That's for sure. But uh, do, you know, just we're going to talk about Arsenal. We're going to talk about the title race because it fits nicely into you know the wider picture. One want to talk about the Premier League's back now. You look at the league table. Liverpool have got forty eight points. You've got Man City on forty three. You've got Arsenal on forty three. But Man City have got a game in hand. Liverpool play Chelsea this week. Man City are playing Burnley. That's three points. And uh, the next two games for Liverpool actually are. Chelsea at home and uh, then they've got Liverpool, uh, sorry, Arsenal away. Massive game on Sunday, which will obviously be previewing on the Friday podcast. But um, we spoke there about Will um, and I spoke about it a couple of days ago about how this can galvanise the fan base and the players of Liverpool to go and deliver. There's talk of a documentary going as well. Do you think that adds pressure? Because I still think Man City strong favourites for this title and documentary last few months of Klopp. Everybody's, you know, up for it. You know, we've seen what happened with Liverpool title races before when they get up for it, and we're not going to let this slip. Um, do you think it could be a, a? Do you think it'll be a positive or a negative? Well, I read that Jurgen that that if he was ever if there was ever going to be a documentary about Liverpool like that would be one of his deciding factors to go. So I'd be interested to see if um, you know what access they get and how far they go into that. I think it definitely will be galvanising just because of we've seen Liverpool as a club before and what they can do and, and as a community all come together. Even some of the scenes against Norwich at the weekend, I think it's going to be a real boost. And actually. You know, we've spoken about it all season and this title race. I think it's almost perfect for the title race because we're still not speaking about Liverpool as title favourites, even though they're five points clear. They've, um, I think for me, the next two games are going to dictate the title race. Um, If Liverpool can win the next two, um, I think it starts to get into Man City's head. But there is a possibility that Man City could be top by next Monday night um, over the next two games. And then I think Man City... 
just run away with it. But uh, Arsenal still in the race. Uh, tough week for them. Got to go away to Forest. And then uh, we've got uh, that big game against Liverpool at the Emirates. I mean, we spoke about that before, that Liverpool-Arsenal game. For me, it's at the wrong time. You know, you sort of want Liverpool and Arsenal to keep winning, not play each other. Um, but we've had this story about um, Arteta. I did a video on that football YouTube channel. It happened on Sunday night. Apparently, it's come from a, you know, a naughty Barcelona source who's just trying to stir up trouble. Uh, and, and, and Arteta is apparently going to sign a new contract. But, you know, I almost feel no smoke without fire as well. Uh, I mean, look, by the time this podcast is, is you know, two or three days old, he might have signed a new contract and said he's not leaving. But the fact remains, he's got one year left on his contract and no manager goes into their final year. Because it's, you know, if Arteta says I'm not signing a new contract in the summer, Arsenal will have to let him go. You can't say, well, holding you to a year, it's just going to be, you know, for a manager, you just can't have that. So uh, Barcelona, I suppose it just comes down to how involved Arteta is in the Arsenal project, Will, and whether Barcelona appeals to him. Because as I say, you know, Xavi went this weekend as well. There's, there's opportunities there. Yeah, well, I think the surprising thing for me was, and I think I'm getting it right, but based on this morning I've had, this morning I've had so far, I might get it wrong, but he's got 18 months left on his contract. But for a manager like Arteta, and I don't know if there's more ins and outs that I've not privy to, but if he's your manager for the future and the project he's building, it just leaves a bit of doubt there. And I feel like if you mm. know these stories of coming out from certain sources to push an agenda, that's obviously fine. But you know, the one thing that you can do to stop all of this is just put a pen to paper and sign a three, four year extension. That just stops all the doubt and really refocuses the title race for the for not just this season, but and we've spoke about that as well with Arsenal, haven't we? Of like they are doing really well for where they're at. So don't push them too far because they just need to keep this momentum, keep it going, keep in the Champions League spaces, keep building and adding to that squad. And I'd do that as well by just tying down Arteta for another three or four years. Well, I think also it comes down to, uh, you know, I've always been a big advocate of seeing what Arteta's doing and how hard the job is. And it's a rebuild. You remove the Aubameyangs and the Ozils and the personalities and the, and the big wages. You start bringing in the likes of Declan Rice and Saka comes through and, I think he's doing a good job. They're in a title race last year. They're in a title race this year. You're up against this juggernaut of Man City and, you know, Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool. You might look at it and go, look, Man City are going to have to transition at some point. Pep can't go on forever. And that team is getting a bit older. And also Liverpool are about to use Klopp. You could look at the Arsenal project and go, give me a four-year contract. Let's let's do this. Uh, on the other hand, you might look at it and go, I do feel a bit underappreciated. Where is this big contract? I've still got some Arsenal fans going, Arteta out. We're not sure he's the right guy. Barcelona, wow, what an opportunity to be the guy that rebuilds that football club. So you can sort of see a situation. And, and I think it goes to, to certain Arsenal fans that I've called out before. I, I, you know, I, I think you don't appreciate what you've got. I, I really don't. I think some of them just think that, oh, you know, they've been Arteta out because they just want to be stubborn. But uh, I think he probably will sign a new contract, Will. But um, I'd certainly been a little bit concerned about it because, uh, you know, 18 months left on his contract is really a year because he's obviously going to see through the next six months to the summer. And he's got to be signing a contract in the next few weeks. So it's going to be interesting. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty sure if Barcelona want him, they'll, 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 they'll be pushing hard from now. Yeah. I, I I think the main one, like you said, the the Barcelona project is interesting because of you know we've grown up with those Barcelona sides over the years, and that could be, you know, what's the next step for him when he leaves Arsenal? It probably would be a Barcelona. So that's the one where if they decide him as his number one candidate, 
you know, we've already seen the effects that the media and everyone around the club over there can have. I think I, that's why you've got to nip it in the bud because if this becomes an ongoing thing, it's just going to feed into the performances or dominate the media, dominate the questions. So I think they sort of need to nip it in the bud ASAP. For me, a lot of people would say you could use this uh, as, a, as an analogy for being in a relationship with somebody that's really, really good and then someone else who's quite good offers it up for you. What do you do? I would say it's a bit like playing FIFA career mode, then you're really enjoying it, and then Football Manager comes out. Now, what do you do? Yeah. Do you carry on playing FIFA career mode, or do you drop it and go, I want to play Football Manager? And we've all been in that dilemma before. You know, I, I had it years ago with uh, Cannon Fodder and Sensible Soccer. I was like, oh, I, don't know. I just don't know what to do. I, I haven't got time for both. I like them both. Um, and I think that's the, that's the scenario. I suspect he'll carry on with his career mode and say football manager's always there on the shelf if I want it in the future. I, I actually do think, I think if the Barcelona rumours persist and they make him his number one target, I think he could go at the end of the season. Well, I, I, think, I think the thing is, in football, again, you very rarely are in a position where you've got the power as a manager or as a player. Um, and why is Xabi going in the summer? Is he jumping because he knows he's going to get pushed? He's not done that good a job. And uh, some Arsenal fans might think Arteta's under contract. He's not really. A year on a managerial contract, is you've got to either give him a new contract or let him go. So I'd say if Arteta wants to go, he will go. But uh, I suspect he'll sign a new contract. We'll have to wait and see. Um is there anything uh, other controversial going on in the world of football, Will, before we start talking about Prats of the Week and either-ors and games and stuff like that? I can't really think of anything. I think I think we should probably move on. Yeah, well, another quiet week if your name's Marcus Rashford. Um, just I sort of really just keep wanting to give him the benefit of the doubt, but then you keep reading the reports, looking into it a bit longer, and I'm not even a Man United fan, but you just get so frustrated because as an England fan, the talent's there, but with everything that's happened this season, off the back of last season, I really feel like we're sort of treading water and going into the dangerous territory of like, if, is he becoming a what-if player? Because the mm. talent, the raw talent's there. And, you know, I know it's not a great spell at Manchester United at the moment, but this is sort of what could define you as a... And I use this analogy sort of sparingly, but Lukas Jukovic at Birmingham City, he's been there through the ship. He's been there through the worst times. Always gives 100%. Always turns up. His contract will end. He's been through the worst time at Birmingham City. But I'll shed a tear. And Marcus Rashford, Manchester United are going through a bad spell. And this is where you should really sort of put your marker down, become a leader. But everything he is doing is just sort of the opposite. And I'm sure you, well, have even more frustrations. I do, but I also think there is, uh, look, it's it's difficult for me because it's a player I've always liked. And despite that, I think there are people close to Rashford, Rashford himself, people on social media that think I don't like Rashford. So, But then people who watch the United stand get frustrated at me because I, I, I won't go in on him. So you sort of end up with the, the truth is not out there. My, my, my feeling with it is, is that it's, I saw pictures of his, 
agent, which is his brother, turning up to Carrington uh, on Monday morning. Um, it's very, very clear that Manchester United have had the wool pulled over their eyes. On Thursday, I was basically saying he was out on Wednesday night, not Thursday night, because that's what we were being led to believe from the club. That's what the club believed as well. And then, you know, a very good piece by Laurie Whitwell, the athletic journalist, saying, no, he was out on Thursday night. And, and as soon as you hear that, uh, for anybody who needs the context, Manchester United were training Friday morning. So he's out in the early hours of Thursday night in a different country in Belfast. And as somebody said on social media, to be fair to him, he was in a country where he wouldn't expect to see any United fans, which is complete sarcasm because Belfast is full of Man United fans. So you've got to ask the question. This is a guy that's written books. He's had awards. He's had loads of praise. He's a massive brand. And is, are we now at a point where this is willingly... Um, bad manners and um, you know I'll shout out Mrs Goldbridge actually she said to me yesterday we were talking about it she's not really into football and she said she said you know maybe he just doesn't care anymore maybe he's just had enough yeah. maybe maybe just maybe that's it all, all you lot are going oh why is he doing this where's the respect he's so talented this that and the other but that's your mentality because you're thinking if you were Marcus Rashford you wouldn't do that you'd be playing hard you'd be you'd be focused this that and the other you're not him. Maybe in his head, he's fed up. He's had enough. He doesn't like it. He doesn't like, you know, he's had years of this celebrity life, doesn't want it, wants to just go out, enjoy himself with his mates, you know. And maybe there's something in that. But I think from a Manchester United point of view, I heard Ali McCoy saying this on the radio, they should part ways. The fact that the mainstream media are not scared to say what, what should have been said about Rashford before is, is rather interesting because the fans have been saying this for quite a while. He's a homegrown player that you can cash into PSG for 80 million quid in the summer and he's gone. And I think that was something I said 18 months ago that gets clipped up and shown back. Well, clip it up and show it back now because I've always liked Rash Rashford, but 18 months ago, after the Rangnick Collie season, I just felt like even for him, he needed a fresh start. And I think we're almost at that point now where <clears throat> he's pretty inconsistent as a player. He's pretty one-dimensional as a player. And we saw it yesterday when Rashford didn't play against Newport. There's no service to the striker, and that doesn't happen when Rashford plays either. So I think United need to change their wing play anyway. And there's an opportunity here where you, where you take emotion out, you take out whether you like the player or you don't like the player, and you go, look, David Beckham was got rid of because he had a, he had a social life. Roy Keane was got rid of because he slagged off some young players on MUTV. Van Nisseroy was got rid of because he fell out with, you know, Ronaldo. We've now got players who are openly ill-disciplined. They should be gone. They should be gone. Yeah. But the thing is, it shouldn't be a fan opinion. It shouldn't be fans making this decision about whether Rashford should go. The club should grow a set and go, we're Manchester United. You're not doing it. And it's, the thing is, it's the second time this season as well. He was out clubbing after the Man City derby as well. So I think, I think the club have got to lead from the front here. It shouldn't be the fans that feel guilty for doing it because the flip side is Rashford apologises. He starts scoring goals again this four months of the season and everyone goes, ha ha, Rashford's back and he's got his hands in his ears again. Like, I think we know Rashford can do that. I think the club needs to lead from the front here. And I think, you know, it possibly is time for the club to decide to sell him, not the fans. Yeah, and I also think it ties back a little bit to it, a move benefiting him just because, like you said, he is a local lad. He has taken on those extra roles and responsibilities for the club on and off the pitch, everything he's done, you know, and has been well celebrated for. 
But I think it ties back to what Jamie Carragher was saying a couple of weeks ago about like if you were a local lad, like he and Gerard were at Liverpool, like there is an expectation and you have to deliver on on doing that. You have to give of yourself a bit more. But if you're not that type of character, you know, mm. there is this extra scrutiny and pressure that comes on you. And for whatever reason, over the last 18 months, he's not been delivering. So I just think fresh start, fresh break, you get the money in, sort of ties into the new INEOS project as well. And just a separating of the ways is good for everyone. I think also with Rashford, there's, I mean, there's one thing that concerns me, which is why I want to throw it onto the club, really. The club needs to lead from the front. I mean, and what a better time. You've got Ineos, Sir Jim. They're all about performance and consistency. What bigger statement? I mean, are you going to be more, are you going to be the Glazers or are you going to be something new? And I think I look at this and I say to Ineos, you've got a great opportunity here to show that you're about something new. If, if anything, this is dropped in your lap. This is the perfect thing to say, Rashford's up for sale. We're moving on without him. That, that's a major statement. In a way, it's a sacrificial lamb, I agree, but it's a huge statement. I don't think they'll do that, but the opportunity's there. I also think as well, what is concerning is, and I've been saying this for a few months now, obviously I do United Standing, you get a lot of interaction on that. Be interesting to see what people in the podcast think as well, get in the comments, but he's lost a lot of support in the fan base that I don't think will necessarily come back very easily um, across all of the fan base as well, not just online, uh, you know, Manchester fans, match-going fans, all ages. He's lost a lot of support. And I think one thing I would say about Rashford is too much too soon, maybe, Will, in the sense that, yeah, he's had all the accolades, you know, all through COVID, all the, you know, children, the, you know, the, 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 the school meal campaign, the books. There was a, that feels like a, a lifetime ago. He's only 26. And that feels like years ago. And it feels, you know, too much too soon. Everyone's telling you great. The problem with Rashford is he's never been that consistent world-class player. So he's had all this around him of you're great, you're great, you're great. But the football has never got to that level of consistency. You know, mentally, it's probably quite hard to deal with because everyone tells him he's great off the pitch and he has done some great things. But on the pitch, it's been a bit sporadic. Um I, I, th- I think there needs to be a reset and uh, I'm not saying there's not a way back at United, but I don't know whether anyone believes there's a way back at United. Yeah, and also because of the way he started and, you know, as soon as you score a goal at a certain age, you are lauded as the next wonder kid and especially if you're local, there's extra pressure and there's, you know, a finite amount of players that go on to deliver on that expectation as well. So it, it, it can also come back to that where he can have a great career, but maybe just not the one that was touted from, the, from that younger age. And also, like a lot of footballers, I don't think he's got the best people around him. I mean, I'm not saying that everyone around him ba- around him is bad, but it's you know, it's like when he scored against Spurs and he's cupping his ear or whatever it was. I mean, it's just it displays a weak mentality to even think about doing that for scoring one goal in a bad season. You know, go and win the Premier League and then do it. Like, don't do it after a goal against Spurs. But uh, be interesting to see what happens because player power exists at United, and I, I, I think he could be. You know, I still think we could be talking about Rashford at United in three or four years' time. Um, Mark, if it's all right for you, I'd like to hear from our half-time sponsors. Right, we have covered the big topics, the big news, but the Premier League is back, thankfully. And we're not just going in hard at the weekend. We've got some midweek fixtures as well. We're all over it. Um, we picked a few selected fixtures out for either or before we get into Goldbridge. And the biggest one of them all, Mark, 
maybe not so much of a top of the title clash that we're used to, but it's Liverpool versus Chelsea, and it's live on Wednesday, quarter past eight. Yes, well, I've, I've missed the Premier League. I know we had the Premier League recently, but the, you know the split was nice, but it felt a little bit like half the league was playing and half the league wasn't, which is exactly what it was. It didn't feel like everyone was in it together. Um, so it's nice to have it back and a double week as well midweek and then the weekend so you know if you do lose a game you can lick your wounds if you win two you've got real momentum if you lose two you're, you're very sad but Liverpool against Chelsea I mean it has to be a Liverpool win but I do think it's problematic um, but I feel at Anfield they've been playing so well I mean I know Fulham had a really bad week they had that Carabao Cup second semi second leg and then they got knocked out by Newcastle which was a massive win for Newcastle by the way I don't want to dismiss that we, we spoke about Newcastle being in trouble what a big win that was for them. But um, Liverpool was so impressive against Fulham. And I think the thing about Liverpool at the moment is they are without Salah. I know they've got no Trent as well without Sabozlai, but they are really playing well. So I, I think they have to win uh, for the title race. And I think they will win. Um, but it might not be as straightforward because I don't think Chelsea are as bad. I mean, their, their form is quite good, is it? Four wins out of five. Yeah, league form's picked up as well. And I think the only thing that, well, not the only thing, but also I believe that there was a lot more rotation done by Liverpool than there was Chelsea. Obviously, they, Chelsea had that tough game against Aston Villa. And we know sort of in this January winter period, the more rest you can get in, the better. So maybe a sort of fresher Liverpool. And they have responded well, haven't they? Without Salah, that was the big question. We were asking Salah or Son before the African Cup of Nations and the Asia Cup respectively. But, you know, Nunes, Jota, they've all stepped up. Um, and I do think that Liverpool will be able to pick apart Chelsea. I really am looking forward to it. I mean, look, um, I'll be doing a lot of watch-alongs on that's football, but having done some Carabao Cup and FA Cup, and they've been good, there's just something about the Premier League. And I notice it with the viewing figures as well. The Premier League, it's just it just seems to be more and matter more. And there's some massive games, uh, you know, midweek and mid... You know, look, the next one, Villa-Newcastle. Um, you look at the league table, Newcastle 29 points in 10th, uh, Aston Villa fourth joint with Arsenal gets forgotten Villa's home form's relentless good result at Fulham for Newcastle they seem to be you know bouncing back a little bit um, you know could Newcastle be the team that breaks that Aston Villa home record Will? Well, I mean, football is a marathon not a sprint and no more should that be pointed out for at the start of the season I'd been at Blues versus Leeds, it was a three o'clock kickoff. Got into the pub for the first weekend of the Premier League season. Newcastle versus Villa. Newcastle 5, Villa 1. We were all laughing, scoffing in the chat. We've got a few Newcastle mate, a few Villa fans. And then it's gone completely the other way now. And going into that game, Villa are 12 points clear of Newcastle. I mean, 14 turn points around, clear. I, I can't count. I can't speak. Um, but I just think it shows the turnaround and like a good win for Eddie Howe in the cup. But because of where it sort of, as Villa's form has been a, a bit patchy, but as an overall, I mean, they're absolutely smashing it still. And a bit surprising with the January. I know we're going to come on to that. The window's been pretty shit anyway. But I, I do see it being a Villa win just because of that home form. I'd like Villa to win because I think it's uh, it's oh, yeah, better right. to keep the uh, the title race going. But um, I just wouldn't rule them out completely. 
Uh, I was just looking at Newcastle as well. They, they they haven't had the they've got an away tie. I can't remember who they've got in the next round. Um, might be is it Southampton Watford they've got or is it Villa Chelsea? I can't remember. Someone in the chat will let us know. But uh, now I'd go with the Villa win. But it wouldn't surprise me if Newcastle went. To, I mean, I'm looking forward to watching that game. Let me just say that. But uh, I will go with the Villa win on that one. Uh, any other we've picked out from that? We're well, not Man City going to batter Burnley. Fuck that. Yeah, well, the only one I wanted to get your perspective of going into the weekend, Wolves-Manchester United. Mm. Yeah, well, this is going to be a very tough one. Um, I don't read too much into United against Newport. Um, I think sometimes those games can be quite pro- pro- problematic. Look, another good PR word there, problematic. And uh, yeah, look, I think United could have won that 6 or 7 if they'd not been so greedy at 2-0 and then fair play to Newport. But I think people disrespect the lower leagues. Um if you've ever played football, Hang on. these what disrespect the lower league. I mean, you've got must have it in your drafts by now. The amount of times that you've tweeted the championship is suffering so much because of the quality coming into the Premier League, and then you come on here and say that drivel. I mean, you need to have a look at yourself there because Newport County in League Two, let another championship push Manchester United all the way, so you can shove that up and have a bit more respect for the EFL, please. No, I'll tell the truth then. Uh, it's crap below the Premier League and United were just poor against uh, Newport. <laughs> but uh, it's decision-making for Manchester United. Um, I think Wolves are a really good team. And, and it's funny, actually, you, you mentioned how Villa got their arse handed on a plate at Newcastle and it's a bit of a revenge game for them. Wolves should have beat United on that opening weekend. I mean, obviously, a lot of people felt it was a penalty by Anana. Whether it was or it wasn't, I don't know how United won that game. Wolves absolutely destroyed us. And uh, I've been worried about this one for a long time, but it's it's become a game that United can't afford to lose. So I think it might end up being a draw, uh, a low-scoring draw. I don't know that United will go and win um, and Wolves do struggle to score. But um, it's one of those games, and United have a lot of these this season. Um, you just, you know, they could win it and you'd be like, wow. They could draw it and you'll go, hmm. Well, they could get beat and you'd go, ooh. So I'm going to go with the draw on that one. I might join you on a nice score draw there. I just think, yeah, like you said, you don't know what Manchester United side you're going to get sometimes. So I think probably as an overall, I know obviously Manchester United behind the table, but like Wolves have been the better, more consistent team just in, mm. in terms of their expectations. So yeah, it'd be a good one. Well, the thing about Wolves is as well is you you, know, you don't see them in the top half of the table. So people just automatically think, oh, where are Wolves in the in the table? And then I come in and say, well, I'll tell you where Wolves are in the table. That They might not be on page one, but they're on page two. They've got 29 points. They've got the same amount of points as Newcastle. They're just on page two. So you look at page one and you see Newcastle in 10th. Well, hello, we're Wolves. We've got 29 points. We're just on page two because we've got worse goal difference. So if Newcastle were to lose this week against Villa, and Man United were to lose this week against uh, Wolves. Um, Wolves could be above them both. So it's a big week. It's a big, big week. Uh, we haven't done Pratt of the Week, you Pratt. Yes, here's Pratt of the Week. You're a Pratt, he's a Pratt, she's a Pratt, they're whiny. Now it's time for Pratt of the Week. One, two, three. We nearly forgot. Yeah, for me. Yeah, well, yeah, I was nearly the Pratt there with egg on my face. Um, do love egg, do love Pratt. Another PR word dominating the podcast this week. For me, clear ones, uh, big scuffles, big fights, big derby, big pressure on at the weekend. Uh, great to see those games. Midland derbies hit like no other. And there was probably a bit of hitting going on in the certain sections of the ground. 
lots of different things coming out, but the main ones were, and I've seen videos of Wolves fans purchasing tickets in the West Bromwich Albion end, uh, it all kicking off. And I think if you're a fan of a rival team, buying a ticket for the other one, not great anyway, but then it was all after the second goal. So you've probably started celebrating and you've got what's handed to you. So uh, I can't think of another word to say apart from Pratt. Well, it is incredible. I mean, I, I saw some of it and I was like, oh, you know, I grew up with football in the eight, late 80s. And, you know, uh, I just think in 2024... I mean, we've I've just we've just had five minutes talking about Liverpool manager, and I'm a Man United fan, and a lot of Man United fans would have the same conversation. Um, it's 2024. We can have better conversations about rivalry. Rivalry exists. It's very passionate rivalry. But we don't need to start punching people in the face about it. I just think it's it, it's a sad undertone that still exists in football, where football fans uh, think that it's um, clever or right to be fighting with each other. Um, we, we, we just don't need to do it I think it's sad when you see children and old folk and you know um, it's on the TV as well it's just not a good advert for football and we don't want to go back to that and if if other people want to go back to that then ban them from football It's and but as Will says buying tickets as a you know we've all done it you know, I've done it before. I've been in the wrong end um, in a footballing sense. And, um, you know, you, 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 you know, I remember being at a Villa game with a load of Villa fans and uh, I was just being, Villa were winning 2-0. And United, United ended up with a draw late on at Villa Park. But the lad I was with kept going, he's a United fan, you know. I was like, shut the fuck up. You're, you know, you're winning. He was, he was enjoying it. But then, because they were winning 2-0 and everyone, they were all going, ah, but when we started, we got back into it, it suddenly got a little bit like, oh, yeah, you're going to celebrate, are you? No, I was never going to bloody tell anyone. I was just going to sit here, watch it and, and be stone-faced. Um, but it's, yeah, I just think uh, if you're going in there like that, but and they knew this game might have trouble. It, uh, Blues and Villa in recent years, of you know, it was always a big policing event as well. But uh yeah, it's just, it just, I don't want to see that. And then I saw the pictures of the guy with blood all down his face and people were saying, look, it's Alan Brazil making a joke out of it, which, you know, in some ways was, was, um, you know, football banter. I, I, I can deal with that sort of stuff, but uh, I just, I don't want to see that in football. I don't. And look, I know in certain parts of the world, it's still very prevalent, that, 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 that style of support. But the Premier League is the best league in the world. You know, you can take your family and friends and go and watch a football match. And we don't want to jeopardise that. Thank you very much. Do you think if, um you know, we, we can't have it now because we're out, but if Birmingham ever drew Manchester United at Old Trafford and we both sat there and I celebrated, would you would you give me a whack? I'm not a violent person, Will. Um, I'd just sack you. I'd replace the W with a, with, a, with, a, with, a, with an S. I'd say you're fired, Will, and I've just tweeted it, so now I can't undo it. Yeah. Ah, well, thanks for everything. It's been a good run. You're fucking fired. I hope that I hope the Birmingham goal was worth it. You're losing six one. Um, <laughs> uh, my actually talk about Man United in the FA Cup. My 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 uh, contender for Pratt of the Week was Danny Murphy. Now Danny Murphy's gobbed off about me in 2023. I don't even know the guy. Um, you know, come one, come all. But Good lad. Uh, Good lad. I um I just find I, I he's so I think he's got such a miserable voice anyway. I can't stand listening to him on Match of the Day or anything because he's so bloody miserable. I mean, he's had a good career. He went out that, with that one off Hollyoaks years ago. I mean, what have you got to be bloody miserable about? But 
the point I'm, I'm making is he can't stand Man United. So who at BBC decides to put him on a game where most people are Man United fans? And he's just, it just, it just, I, I can't stand commentary or punditry from biased people. And we're better, again, you know, we've just spoken about we're better than that in 2024. We're better than this as well. I don't know who makes these decisions on producers making crap decisions about, oh, you know, he hates United. This will be great content. No, it won't. It'll be just vile content. It's boring. And it's, it's just, you know, it was quite a good game to watch, I felt. Newport came back into it. It was a good cup tie. I loved the fact that they had the scaffolding with fans watching. It had a really good, it was getting dark. It just had a good cup vibe. And then you just got some ex-Liverpool player, completely biased, rubbish, Pratt. Uh, also on Danny Murphy, maybe away from the football commentary though, a man that really suits a bold head. And, you know, as yeah. much as you want to have a go at him, you've got to say congratulations on that because that's not an easy thing to do. I think he'd look worse with hair. Yeah, 100%. I'm imagining 100%. Danny Murphy now with, uh, with my hair or, or your hair or you know, Ganacho's hair or something like that. And he looks actually worse with hair. He, he really does suit. A bo- it's a bit like Bruce Willis. Just suits. Looks better without hair. Yeah. Just on hair as well, obviously. I've, I've We're not playing who for, looks for better long. without hair. Yeah. Do you think you will ever get a new hairstyle? Obviously, I'm, I'm rocking quite a new one, which we're going to introduce when we go visual. But obviously, I think you've had that haircut for quite a long time. Would you consider going bold? I used to change my hairstyle quite a lot. Um, believe it or not, I used to have in the late uh, sort of early nineties a side parting with a lot longer length and bleach blonde hair. So it wasn't bleach blonde at the back; it was like streaks. So I've had the Liam Gallagher cut. Um, yeah, I, I'd be up for changing it, but I do really just like walking into the hairdressers and going, "I don't have to say anything. Let's talk about football." He knows what I want. Okay. He knows what I like. Yeah. Who are we going to give Pratt of the week to? Um, I think it's got to be though, like that. You know, if you're a fan, you know, chanting it, going into a, a the wrong end, bad enough, but then to celebrate and cause a ruckus and bring shame to the fourth round of the FA Cup, I think it's got to be them. I agree. You're a Pratt, he's a Pratt, she's a Pratt, they're whiny. Now it's time for Pratt of the week. One, two, three. Okay, we're back from Pratt of the week then, and uh, we've got two games to work through here we've got a bonus goal bridge where the score's 26 26 we've also got a guess who um but we've also got a couple of either ors sent in from our fantastic spotify audience you've got loads to get involved in today you can put forward ideas for shows you can tell us what you think about klopp or arteta going you can talk about the premier league games you can also give us some either ors you can talk about proud of the week you can just generally drop a comment in we love all of that and you've got a couple of either ors from our comment section will Yes, certainly have, Mark. Thanks for getting in touch. And like Mark said, get involved every episode. This one's from Jack Clark, not the Sunderland winger I met uh, recently on the latest uh, football challenge video that's coming soon. But he said on Spotify, Jota or Alvarez, who would you take, Mark? He's been saying this every week, hasn't he? I've noticed that comment. For the ninth time, Jota or Alvarez? I'd have left him. I'd have ignored him just to keep pissing him off. But you've got your moment in the sun, Jack. And uh, Jota or Alvarez, I'm going to be completely honest here. If I had to pick one of those players to come and sign for Manchester United, 
I might be in the minority, but I'd go with Jota. I think he is massively underappreciated, underrated. And um, I think he's a fantastic player for Liverpool that just skirts under the radar a lot. Uh, so I would go Jota. I like Alvarez. Misses a bit too many chances for me. Whereas I think Jota is, I mean, those, those two goals he scored, uh, what game was it where he hit it against the foot of the post? Bournemouth. Bournemouth. Brilliant. Yeah, I go Jota. Well, yeah, because that led on to the conversation that Jamie Carragher sparked about him being one of the most natural finishers Liverpool had had over the, like, the last decade or the last two decades. He got the stats up, the numbers sort of backed him up there, but definitely falls into that underrated territory. And and the most important thing is Liverpool fan, someone you can trust in any circumstances, a substitute, as a like a replacement to come in the first team, five starts in a row. So yeah, I'd go with Jota. Um, the final one from Spotify for this week, if you have your either or, get them involved on Spotify, like Mark said, but this this one is from Stephen Campbell. Uh, he says, Rodri or Busquets in his prime? Just on Jota as well. He's brilliant in the press. He's really good at that. Um, anyway, Rodri or, Bus- Rodri-, Rodri or Busquets. Yeah, he's got an article in the Daily Mail. Give it a read. Um, Rodri or Busquets. Um, I think Rodri is arguably the best holding midfielder in the world at the moment. And Busquets played in what is largely considered one of the best midfield threes the world has ever seen with Xavi and Anesta. Um, you, are con- you are comparing two players from different periods. You know, Busquets hasn't been at his best. Is he even still playing for a long, long time? Um, I would go Busquets, but I suspect some people might go Rodri. I would go Busquets because that Barcelona side and, and he was there for so long doing it. I think if you dropped prime Busquets into... I think the the interesting thing for me is I'm trying to predict what Pep would do and I think Pep would still go Busquets. So for me, that's the biggest validation to go Busquets over Rodri. I think prime Busquets in that Man City side would drop Rodri in Pep's opinion um, and that's why I'd go Busquets. Argue with me if you want. Fight me. Uh yeah, I'd love to fight you, but I can't argue with you, so I'll just wash your car instead. I think the main one as well is the international honours that he's got. And also, you know, I was first introduced to that role with like Claude McAuley, but then obviously he sort of evolved it. And also a real good shithouse to have in your team. If you if he was playing against you, you hated him. Um, I was going to compare him to Robbie Savage there, but that would be a disservice not only to this podcast, but football in general. But just for all of those reasons, it's got to be Busquets for me. Perfect. Um, okay, shall we do Guess Who or Goldbridge first? Uh, let's do uh, Goldbridge first because I like to finish on the quiz and you know how stressed they get. So I will give you, because you were leading, the, it is 26-20-26. We've had a look at each other's picks. There's a bit of similarity there. So we're going to do alternate picks. So Mark, you can start with the first one and strike first in Goldbridge. Okay. Uh, first one I'm going to go for is um, Richarlison against Brentford uh, for Spurs. That's my first pick. And I believe you were going to do the same. Yeah, ties back to something I was tying back to. A lot of people say, Will, what's going on in the quiz? Well, obviously, Mark reads the questions. As soon as he gets the running order, types it into an AI tool and gets the answer. But we can argue about that at a later date. First pick for me this week will be Phil Foden. There you go. Well, this is how it works because he knows I've got Foden. So now I've took Richardson. <laughs> oh, I know. And he's took Foden. I told you we've got some very similar picks. So he's gone Foden. 
which actually doesn't mind. I don't mind that for my second pick because I was, and this is a bit risque, but I've got a couple of risque ones this week. I was going to go Foden against Burnley because it makes total sense to get some Man City players in. I'm going to go with Kevin De Bruyne. It's risky. Interesting, yeah. It's very risky. Yeah. Okay. Could end up scoring a hat-trick, could be on the bench. Who knows? Mm. Uh, I'm going to go for my Spurs replacement then. Uh, I'm just making sure... Yeah, no, he's out. Okay. Oh, bloody hell, I'm in all sorts of trouble. Let me just go back to my list. I'm going to go next to Darwin Nunes. Darwin Nunes. Is that pick three, yeah? That's pick yeah. two for me, Mark, because you started first. Oh, well, you've had Foden and you've had Darwin Nunez. Okay. Um, yep. Pick three for me then is I'm going to go with uh, Ollie Watkins against Newcastle. Okay, interesting. Um, I was thinking of that, but I'm going to stick with a man I chose a couple of weeks ago, scored a good goal in the derby at the weekend. I'm going to go Pedro Neto. Mm, good one. Playing against Manchester United. Here's my next risque pick. Uh, he's pick four for me. He's at home to Sheffield United and his name is Ezzy. Wow. Okay. Very nice. Interesting. Didn't expect you to do that. I'm going to old faithful, old reliable, a man you've slandered across the season, but has took that criticism and led the line. I'm going for Jared Bowen. Interesting. Who, who West Ham playing? West Ham, Perfect. Mark, they're playing Bournemouth at home on Thursday. Oh, that could be a good pick. Uh, my final pick is uh, completely red-tinted. I'm going to go with Rasmus against Wolves, who gets no service at all. So you can tell that he'll probably score a hat-trick on Thursday. Yep. Okay, could see you doing that. Read you like a book and not a very good one. So the fifth pick for me will be Dejan Kulisevsky for Tottenham. Nice one. Nice one. So that concludes it. We're 26 26. You've got a bonus goal bridge. We'll be doing another one on Friday, but um, we've still got to do the goalkeeper and the defender, which I'd completely forgotten to do. So whilst I completely shit myself quickly and come up with one, Will, who've you got as your defender? Thank you, Mark. Um, I hope you don't actually shit yourself. But as I said earlier, tying it back to the start of the show, you have got to be careful with your anus at your age. Uh, I think for me, I'm going to go with a pick, which I've been researching heavily, and I'm going to go for um, Branthwaite at Everton. Well, I should have gone for him last week. Uh, dreams could come true. I'm going to go Gabriel. I think he's injured. Is he? Well, he's got he's on seventy five percent on fantasy football when I checked. Right. Well, I'm gonna. Well, I, I'm. You're allowed a replacement if they don't play. I'm gonna go Gabriel, and if he doesn't play, to keep it easy, I'll just go Saliba anyway. Okay. And goalkeeper. Uh, goalkeeper is tough this week. I don't see many definite de definite clean sheets to be honest with you, and I'm I'm low to go with Edison. I think it's boring if you go with Edison. So. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, something a little bit out of the box and I'm going to go um, with, <sighs> stupid as it seems, I'm going to go Anana. Interesting, what okay. What a prat. Yeah, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with you actually and go a bit out there. So I'm going to go for a lad called Edison at Manchester City. You boring bastard. I, I really, I, I didn't think you'd do that. I thought, you know, being as it's a bonus week, let's go a bit risque. And he's gone for the most 
obvious. I'll love it if Burnley score. And I, th I think all the chat will as well. You've gone right down in the chat's estimation there. I mean, that's just boring. But, you know, that's what you expect. But a will. game's a game. And also, we've not announced to the audience yet because we're still going through checks and regulations on this. But the the punishment for losing Goldbridge is, you know, just taken on life of its own. So it is a game. It's not just a bit of fun anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, let me, let's just say that the loser of that is going viral in May. Um, that's that's. There's no doubt about that. It's going to be hilarious. And uh, if it's not me... I'll be there right at the front with my camera phone what, filming it all. But uh, yeah, lovely stuff. Um, really enjoyed that. And that leads into... A, what a, make sure you're giving us five stars and following us, by the way, because this is a bumper podcast. I can't believe we're under an hour still uh, on what's been absolutely one great topic to another. Um, if this was a news show, it would be hot. Uh, but let's go uh, into guess who. I think I've given you a really easy one this week. Um, but, oh, no, I, you I, bastard. You know but I'm winning, but I'm winning by three points, aren't I? Four, seven, three. You see, I've got to start, I've got to start being a little bit, you know. I mean, like I say it's easy. I think people at home might struggle at it, with it. But uh, knowing you, I think you might get this. Um, do you want? You can choose. Do you want me to go first? You to go first? How, how does it? How do you think no, it you takes go. less pressure? Go with your easy one. Okay, <clears throat> put the pressure on myself. Okay, so clue one on guess who is? Um, I you know I don't really need to say who it was for. I was an FA Youth Cup winner in 1992. Ryan Giggs. No. Uh, I joined. Crew Alexandra from Manchester United. And the only other honour in my career is the League Cup. Robbie Savage. Yes, he's got it. Thank there you. you. Go. So what you've done there is not thought of on before the podcast has started. I mentioned Robbie Savage about seven to eight minutes ago. No. Uh, you've noted him down a gun on his Wikipedia no. page. When you mentioned it, I was like, this will be him. hilarious if he doesn't get him. No, I've, I've had this written down no. since Sunday. I was like thinking, ooh, no. he needs a point. Who's a Birmingham player that won't be obviously a Birmingham player? So I was just like, this would be hilarious if he didn't get it. Next clue would have been, uh, I've played for Leicester and Blackburn uh, and Birmingham and Derby. Clue four would have been Wales. 39 caps and two goals. And clue five would have been, uh, obviously I would have said Birmingham on the other one as well. Clue five would have been, I'm Robbie Savage. Clue six should have been, I famously left Birmingham City because I needed uh, to be closer to my parents moving to Blackburn, which was then calculated out to be further away from his parents. Yeah, but it's, uh, where does his parents live? Way or somewhere. Yeah, it's that M6 drive though, isn't it? You can't fault him for that. Uh, okay, that means I've got to get it on clue two here, which I probably am not going to do. So Will might be getting a point back here. Okay, clue number one. I played for England 21 times, scoring two goals between 1994 and 1998. 21 times for England, 94 to 98. I would say that it's going to be somebody like um no it can't be him he was still playing then um he would he have played again after robbie fowler incorrect 
I played for these clubs in no particular order. So listen up closely. Old, um, sorry, Wickham Wanderers, West Ham United, Newcastle United, Derby County, Charlton Athletic. Wickham, West Ham, Newcastle, Derby, and Charlton Athletic. Correct. West Ham, Newcastle. Rob Lee. <laughs> Have I got it? Fuck yeah. You got it. <laughs> I can't believe it. I can't believe it. On the week, I, 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 you know, that, that is incredible. The trouble is you've dropped it in my area. Soon, yeah, you'd yeah. have been back. 2004, 2008, I'd be fucked. But 94, my era is basically 90 to 2000. I just, because I was a kid. You remember everything yeah. then. Next clue, next clues were going to be my son currently plays for Wrexham. Fourth clue was um, I went to two FA Cup finals with Newcastle. And fifth clue was I'm Rob Lee. I wouldn't have got it on clue three. So, yeah. Oh, well, that's a draw. The points gap remains four. Also, sorry, I've just been, I finally watched the Wrexham stuff because I saw we wanted to see um, the Ben stuff. And mm. it was really great. And he comes across it in such a good light. But there's one bit where they're describing him to the American viewers as like getting Ben Foster to sign for Wrexham is like Michael Jordan and Tom Brady signing for your club. Now, I love Ben to bits and he's had an amazing career, but I mean, surely he'd disagree with that analogy. What, Wrexham said that signing Ben Foster for them is like signing Michael Jordan and Tom Brady? No, well, it's like signing the Michael Jordan or the, the Tom Brady. No, I'd say that Ben Foster signing for Wrexham is a bit like signing Ben Foster for Wrexham. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. say it was Michael Which Jordan. Which is great. Yeah, I think it was a massive signing at the time. And let's, you know, that Notts County save was amazing. Um, and... Uh, I wish, he'd, I wish he'd stayed at Wrexham actually this season, but, you know, I think sometimes bad start to the season, they're always going to bounce back and I think he'd have been fine. But uh, no, uh, what would the equivalent be for Wrexham of signing a Michael Jordan? I suppose it would be like, it'd be like getting, you'd, be after, you'd have it'd to take like someone in their 30s Messi. who was in it, still a really good player. Uh, so, I mean, Messi's obvious, isn't it? But I suppose... Ronaldo would be one. Neymar, an English player. Yeah, I don't know. There's not really that many great English players who are into the 30s, is there? That would consider Wrexham, I suppose. There's one for you. Uh, what would be a Wrexham signing that they could legitimately say would be like signing the Michael Jordan of football? Um, I suppose Will's right. It probably would be Messi. Um, it's been a fantastic podcast. Thanks, Will. Thank you, mate. Yeah, um, thank you for helping me out with a few statistical errors, but really enjoyed it. We are remote still at the moment, but we are getting and edging closer to a new experience that will knock your cocks off, knock your socks off, and it will truly transform uh, this podcast going forward. Edging and cocks in the same sentences. Uh, incredible stuff there uh, from uh, Will. Um, I, I actually saw a line uh, for, from an, on the BBC today in relation to uh, Serie A and uh, they said that uh, Inter edge Fiorentina in Serie A clash and I thought well who's the loser oh, yeah. yeah 
That's 90 minutes I'd like to see. Yeah. Um, and it had a picture of a very tired-looking Latore Martinez, who may have been doing the edging. I don't know. Uh, anyway, on that bombshell, uh, thanks everyone for tuning in. Make sure you leave us some comments. Uh, we'll have a poll for you as well. And obviously, we're back on Friday, so give us a follow. Take care, everyone. Speak to you soon. Mm-hmm.